0: Well, hey friends, welcome back to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I am stoked to be here with you today, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. This episode is for you. At Safe Fort Designs, we curate these conversations to help you get healthy and reach more impact. And today's conversation is very near and dear to my heart because we're talking about technology and how in light of all of the negative associations that come with technology and the social and digital space today, how we can actually use it to be a space for redemption and a space for life giving and a space for just building bridges that continue to connect one another instead of deconstructing them to make us further apart. Now, before we get into our episode, I do wanna make a quick reminder. Yes, we have recently launched the Right Setup Collective, which is a great use of technology to create a very special place for hungry leaders like you to take next steps to get healthy and reach more impact in a way that you are simply not going to find anywhere else. So at the end of the episode, do me a favor, click the show notes below, or head to RightSideUpCollective.com, or click the link in any of our social channels, and consider joining today. I would love to see you there. Our team would love to see you there, and we would love to walk alongside you and help you take your next steps to get healthy and reach more impact, all while connecting you with other hungry leaders doing the exact same thing. Now, sit back relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast and Alan's conversation with Garrett Gerhardt about the metaverse and technology and how we can use it to be a force for people.
1: Garrett, welcome back to the podcast and to Right Side Up Community. Glad to be here. Excited. Always good to connect. And uh, you sit in a really unique space, as it relates to technology, the church, God's kingdom, work unfolding in the world. Um, give us just a little bit of background on how you've got kind of interested in how technology can be a redemptive expression.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I did youth ministry for about uh, 15 years before moving on into communication ministry. And when I first started, you know, I really noticed that, you know, a lot of us had um, dumb phones. They weren't smartphones, you know, and, and, uh, and I kind of always liked the idea of technology, but I noticed my students were back in the day, it was really surprising. They were texting, you know, 10,000 times a month. And the parents were like, what is going on with technology? And I'm like, well, I kind of saw how the phone became more and more important to the yeah. average person. There were always early sure. adopters. There always were students and young people interested in video games and technology, but I noticed, you know, the average person using it a lot more. And, um, Fast forward, you know, five or six years, and all my students had smartphones and social so, social media accounts and Facebook. And then fast forward a few more years, and uh, everybody had smartphones and on social media four plus hours a day. And I really, you know, noticed this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity um, for the gospel. This is an opportunity for ministry and leadership because people are spending time there. And we should leverage those tools in the same way the church has leveraged um, many technology tools. And so I started doing YouTube videos early on in youth ministry and getting students involved in making videos and making sure we had, you know, great social media presence. And I saw a lot of benefit from that, but, you know, I also, because I was working with students, I saw a lot of negatives. I saw a lot of uh, media addiction uh, early on. It was a big deal for cyberbullying. was, was huge. The, the unhealthy uh, interpersonal dynamics that play out in teens lives were being amplified on social media. And so after a few years, I really uh, wanted to make sure that as we use digital tools that we do it in a way that doesn't amplify some of the negative effects like addiction and comparison and polarization and all those things. But instead we use it in wise ways, um, ways that um, take advantage of the strength but minimize the negatives.
1: And that to me sounds like discernment and that's our take uh, here at stay forth is uh, that we need to be wise. We need to be discerning and things shift. They change their dynamic. We're going to talk about the metaverse. We're going to talk about, you know, new fears people have. They may not even know exactly what that is. Um, and so we'll, we'll spend some time clarifying that, but I think it's really important if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, you may land on a camp that feels really extreme and that probably lacks the discernment to see the other side. If we're 100% a big fan of everything on social media and everything online. We need to be really careful. And if we're 100% against the fact God clearly can't do any redemptive kingdom work in this, we obviously need to challenge that. Um, Garrett, you serve as one of our coaches now at Stay 4th, and we need a lot of navigation help uh, in this. And honestly, one of the reasons that we're having this conversation is because I want to be in this. I want you to kind of lead me, to lead us, and, and our listeners. You also do a lot of writing into this area And you personally serve as a communications pastor who's navigating. What should the church's role be in this? So, man, I love the tension spot you sit in that is wise and discerning. So let's first talk about kind of the scary side of social media. You mentioned addiction, polarization, negativity, cyberbullying, kids and adults. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you mentioned those. What else? What are some of the other dangers that we need to be aware of today uh, with the online presence?
2: Yeah, you know, the the study of media ecology is the idea that um, the media that we use changes us as individuals or the medium that's used. And I think there's no doubt we can see that the idea of digital communications and social media is even changing the way that we think. And one way that plays out is, you know, like information siloing, right? I go online and I'm surrounded by things that I most likely clicked on at any point in the last couple of years. I most likely watch videos about these things. Google knows my political views. Or I just send them
1: to someone and (laughs) then suddenly that exact thing is being advertised to me. I remember when that started happening. It's like, it's creepy. And then we found out, no, it's exactly what technology is designed for.
2: Yeah. And you know what? There's some some good to that. I'm not going to be... Um, you know, wasting, I mean, am wasting my time online a lot, but I'm not going to be, they're not going to be showing me things that I have zero sure. interest in. Sure. But what happens is, is to begin to think that maybe that's everyone's internet experience. And so then we come across someone who has a different view than us, a different political view, a different view on a cultural topic. And we think not only are you different than me, that you're um, ignorant. How could you possibly believe X, Y, and Z? Haven't you seen this data and this article and this person? And don't you watch this news YouTube channel? And don't you watch this? And the reality is, no, they don't. And uh, Google and Facebook don't want them to because they're less likely to engage in it. And that's where we've seen this and you and I and everyone listening has seen, man, some really extreme differing views in the last couple of years play out in ways that maybe wouldn't have happened 10 years ago where we didn't find ourselves completely engrossed in only information that we can only accept and agree with. But that's what they want. They want us to be more like The only reason they show us that thing is because they know we're more likely to engage with it. And they don't know what that content is. They don't really care what that content is. They just want to make sure you're more likely to engage with it. And I think that's created, um, some really strong opinions about things. And, and I think the fear is, is it's kind of dehumanized people with different views.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, talk about the metaverse. First of all, what is it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, the metaverse, uh, Uh, recently, you know, Facebook came out and said they're changing their name of their company from Facebook to meta, their parent company. And there's a lot of ways to look at the metaverse An easy explanation is, is kind of like virtual reality. Um, but that's been around for a while. The best way I like to describe it is like, um, um, a different form of immersion. So web 2.0, what we call it. And that was like, um, early, you know, just emailing that was going on community groups, going on chat rooms, um, that was, just information websites that were text heavy, maybe some photos and the web 2.0 came around and it was social media, a lot of user generated content. And that kind of upped the ante when it came to immersion and engagement, even though it was still just two dimensional, there were videos, uh, eventually, we got it on our phone. And so we were kind of engaged with it all day. Uh, there was, you know, obviously, there's audio and video. So it's even more immersive, you know, we can choose to watch a 10 second TikTok, or we can watch a 52 minute youtube video and we're kind of engaged on our phone and one way to look at the metaverse is like taking immersion to the next level and some people are calling the metaverse kind of web 3.0 and so the idea is is that when we go on the internet we might be going onto the internet into a virtual space instead of just a screen in front of us and it's 2d like you and i are meeting right now we would meet in a still not technically three-dimensional but A representation of a three-dimensional space, your suite offices over at Stayforth, and we're looking around, we're seeing the same thing, we're seeing an avatar of ourselves, and that's the way that we're accessing the web. And anything from information websites to social media to watching videos will be, the idea is is that it's just much more immersive. And hopefully the idea is, at least hopefully for Meta, is that it's um, even more engaging and people are going to be even more likely to spend time there.
1: So I mean, if you want to come over to our office virtually, I want to go to yours. I'd rather like let's meet can we meet at a table in Brooklyn through AI <laughs> or something like that? I think yes. uh, when you start to think about this stuff, it really does blow your mind uh, as you think through man, I, I think this phone that I can hold in my hand is crazy that I can mm-hmm. get that many inputs. So at some level it's really hard to even think about all those kind of rabbit holes. Um, so let's flip that over to the opportunity. Of course, there's great fear. Um, and good reason for, but there's great opportunity. Let's not miss that. What are some of those opportunities uh, for churches, kingdom leaders, anyone that wants to have kind of a redemptive presence in the online space?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's several, but I think the easiest one to grasp is the idea of connecting to someone who would never step foot inside a church. And, you know, I, is it an antidote to the idea that our country is becoming less Christian? There's way more de-churched and unchurched people. There's way more people now than ever before who identify as non-religious. And so, you know, we have, there's a lot of fear around that. And the idea is a good chunk of those people will never step foot in a church. A good chunk of them have negative experiences uh, growing up in the church and have trauma and pain. And um, you've always been able to connect with them, you know, over videos, over chat. But what if you could create a space that um, is a symbolic uh, of a church gathering but they feel much more likely to enter into that space because it because it isn't a church. Maybe in the future, this person is spending a lot of their time in the metaverse and going to a new space is, is an easy ask. Um, maybe it doesn't look like a church. Like you said, maybe it's a coffee house you're connecting. And the idea is, is that you could present the gospel in a way to people who you couldn't reach with a traditional model of a church building and church members who are talking to their neighbors. What if you could reach people by inviting them to something, engaging in their spaces, being present with them, and they—they're they're the the group of people, they're the hopefully future Christian who would have never entered into a church, and there's probably millions of them, and so I think that's, to sum up, that's really the, the most significant opportunity.
1: Okay, and churches are starting to experiment with this a little bit. What are you seeing, and what does that experimentation look like?
2: Yeah, so I think right now the couple of the big players is a is Life Church. Um, and Craig Rochelle's church. And they've been on the forefront of the idea of what digital church is. Uh, you know, they um, they started the UVersion Bible app. They saw that as a huge opportunity. And so they jumped on that. They've been online streaming for probably a decade. And so for them, it wasn't a big deal to, to start that. Now they're, they have kind of a traditional model of just uh, the video of Craig preaching on Sunday is presented in a meta space that is just an auditorium people sitting in the audience in their avatar and watching a video and um, because they're early and they have great things to say about it. They've had people come to Christ they've people come get prayer. They've had people who are just curious to really be a part of that. And so I think they're kind of on the forefront on that. And then there's an individual, his name is DJ Soto. He's kind of the VR pastor. He's written about it. He's been written about. Um, He kind of just started uh, early on as seen as an opportunity to present himself, to model his avatar as someone who's a VR pastor. And they also hold services. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're even doing things like virtual baptism and virtual communion uh in these VR spaces. They're getting members and leaders of their church to join virtually and then to to you know love on people and pray for them and share the gospel and really build a community that way. And so there's people who are seeing this, I kind of see them as they're probably just digital missionaries. Yeah. Um who see metaverse and virtual reality as a, as a mission field, in the same way that a church might send someone to a different country or someone who's in a closed off country. Maybe churches are going to someday send people into the digital space to be full-time digital missionaries to live and dwell in the meta spaces, the Mm -hmm. same places that people are living and dwelling and to do life with them and to maybe even offer an opportunity of some way to um, improve their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some entrepreneurship there but also just a way to share the gospel and to to be present with those people.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, even even now, if if you're a leader of influence or consequence listening, uh, perhaps a pastor, um, notice and recognize how people are living out the gospel already online. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we could even say that this podcast is an extension of that. We'll go places we never could. Garrett, if you and I just tried to hop on planes and, and go places physically, Um, also I coach a lot of online influencers and Mm -hmm. they very much are living for Jesus in these spaces in unique ways, uh, and some of the things that are unique to them, um, they bring out and sort of amplify and millions of people are, are following and, you know, the pressures that come with that are unimaginable, but the influence is also unimaginable, um, and mind blowing in, in, many ways. So it's just interesting to watch how this conversation, um, develops guys. This is dynamic. It's not static. And so if we were to have have the same conversation a few years down the line, um, it'll be different. We'll have you back, Garrett, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I remember the conversation we were having as the world changed and churches were trying to get online church up and going just to get a service going. We had you on the podcast to talk about what that actually looks like. And in one of the phases of COVID, that was literally the question is like, oh, how do we take what's in this room if we don't have the technology for that or serve at a church like you that's well staffed for it? How do we do that? So I just want you to take note that the conversation is changing. And that's one of the reasons it, it requires discernment. Um, Garrett, you're coaching people through this process, you're writing into this, speaking into this um, right now. Um talk about whether it's through coaching that that you have or just you're walking alongside of someone. How does the you know regular church, the regular pastor need help navigating? this online space the metaverse and and otherwise
2: yeah that's a good question you know i i think there's got to be this this dialogue and like we're having now and this openness to just talk about it i think like you said there is a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear because it is unknown and that is not unusual Mm -hmm. you know alan we can look at every new technology that's come out that the church has used from um the alphabet (laughs) just being able to write something down to the printing press and how there was some concern that, you know, part of the mission of the church would get lost in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that potential was always there for the mission of the church to get lost. And I think, you know, hesitant to say, but maybe it is even more so as our technologies get more immersive and they, and they remove us from the idea of physically connecting with other people. But I think you start with just having those conversations. Um, What does it look like to do ministry um, in new ways? You know, there's no doubt that uh, the church is going to have to change in big ways because the church has always had to change in big ways through the generations. And so I th- it doesn't mean that you're, you are you want to be a leader who's all on board for digital spaces and the metaverse, but you're going to have to start those conversations now because if you don't, you're going to be caught off guard when culture completely moves maybe in, in directions like that. Um, at least you know what you might do. You know what your vision is for that. and And I think the next step is really to you know, engage with some of the uh, digital natives in your church and some of the people in your, maybe on staff who are younger and really um, begin to understand uh, their perception of the world and what it means for them to have a community of people. And, and you'll notice uh, very quickly that it's, you know, very hybrid, that they they have um, people who are, that are in their community, who they connect with, who are people that they respect and leaders in their lives, the people who mentors in their lives, who are completely digital. You and I, have been friends for years and we have never met,
1: uh never physically given a fist bump or eaten a taco, which is yeah. a shame, but we've still I would call you a friend. Yeah, I, I don't want to overspeak here. You're definitely a friend.
2: Yeah, someday we'll <laughs> we won't have to get virtual tacos, we can get real tacos. I receive that. And so, you know, uh really immerse yourself in those ideas and those conversations. And and the reality is, is not only are we years away and maybe even decades away that from your average church down the street has to engage their community through the metaverse. But um, you also doesn't, I don't think everyone, every church is going to have to be an expert in that. And I I think that um, some churches are unfortunately might get left behind in their resistance, but some churches are just going to have a different lane and the future of the metaverse. If it continues the way three web 3.0 continues as in kind of decentralization of leadership and authority kind of user created content. The idea is that an organization and institute of influence might be less significant in web 3.0. That web 3.0 might be full of a lot more individuals who are called to to lead the church and to lead communities. And um, your institutional churches um, might not be as as engaged as you might be thinking. And so it might not be something that you have to address and have a staff member. Uh, Churches might be hopefully places the people still want to go and have physical community, still want to talk about things like work-life balance and, and connecting the value of connecting with other people and laying on hands in prayer and corporate worship and all those things the church has done well. We'll still need the churches to do that. And um, I think that we don't have to worry so much of how much of our, is our church is going to have to change to be digital, but instead, are we caring enough about the people on there that we're, that we're having the conversations and we're doing something to reach those people. Because for me, every time I hear a story of a single person accepting Christ, becoming a Christian in a digital space or because of a digital piece of content or a metaverse meeting, I think, man, that cannot be discounted. Like, like, what can right. you say as a church leader right. of how we should push against that? If someone you will meet is in heaven because of that tool. Um, right. To me, that kind of means that we're going to have to do something and, 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 right. and at least... Um, acknowledge that ministry and the gospel is happening there.
1: That's right. Well, and and let's not forget that new movers, um, who move a little bit far ahead, sometimes get shot in the back. And yep. so, if you're taking new risks and it's and experiments, you'll likely be misunderstood. You'll likely take shots, probably in anything, not just in Christian culture. Um, but back in the day of crusades, there were plenty Mm -hmm. of those shots taken at Billy Graham and others that were gathering large groups of people. And they're saying, well, you can't disciple people after that, right? There were all these things. It also birthed things like the navigators that then said, we, we need to disciple these. There were churches left behind in, in the best sense on campuses across the country from those crusades. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I just think we need to be really careful, um, If there are people taking risks around you that you don't understand and you're watching or listening to this, we need to be really careful. I would encourage you uh, to do a couple things. Lean in and be a learner. Here, uh, my kids are teaching me, Garrett, a lot of things I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I'm watching them as well. When they say hang out with their friends, they may mean online playing a video game together. Uh, I don't like that. I don't understand that. And yet I'm learning. That is strange. I would never say like, Garrett, let's go hang out. I would say, let's get a zoom meeting. They view it differently in that my, my kids are constantly teaching me how to use technology, what might be good. Uh, and, and that's, I I just think good to stay a learner. Secondly, um, Garrett can help coach you through this process. And I just think that that's really rare, Garrett, a lot of your experience, um, because I tend to hear all in or all out, and to have this discerning of a conversation is pretty rare, uh, and I really like that you come into it with both the expertise and the discernment. Um, and lastly, I want to encourage you guys to pray and look for opportunities, because without that piece of it, you're not gonna see what you're not looking for. Literally say, God, where am I not seeing opportunities? I utilize, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, even our Right Side of community, the paid uh, Right Side of Collective we just launched for questions, for dialogue. People are hungry to just answer and ask a question, to just dialogue, to go offline with somebody if they want to, swap numbers and get a 30 minute call or get a taco if you live within an hour. I mean, guys, there are opportunities here. I do not want to put my head in the sand and miss the opportunities. Garrett doesn't, I hope you don't either. Garrett, thanks for what you do. Appreciate your posture. Friends, if you want to reach out with Garrett, you can just head on over to stayforth.com. Uh, you can click on network and see him as one of our coaches. We're going to continue here to talk about tough topics and technology is one of those friends that has lots of opportunity on the other side. Garrett, my dude, great to have you on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me on. It was fun. so